The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is Green and Gold History. 50-plus years of stories, championships, and colorful characters. This is A's Baseball. This is Green and Gold History. Time now for another edition of Green and Gold History. I'm Chris Townsend, and we're joined by David Feldman, and we're going to do top 10 starts to their Oakland A's career. Yeah, so we know there's a lot of guys who had, you know, big first games with the A's, but we're kind of looking more who had an impact right away when they joined the A's, whether it was as a rookie or as a journeyman, whatever your A's career, however it started, the guys who had the best and biggest impacts. All righty, your honorable mention. So we have a few. Uh, going back to 1970, Mudcat Grant joined the A's, and by the All-Star break, his, his ERA was a minuscule 0.79, and he took over as the closer. Not Raleigh Fingers in 1970, Mudcat Grant. Uh, Jason Isringhausen in 99, after he was acquired from the Mets, he started A's career going 8 for 8 in saves. Uh, Carlos Gonzalez in 2008, his first nine hits in the majors were doubled which is pretty spectacular. A.J. Griffin in 2012, uh, he started his career 6-0 and with a 1.94 ERA. Um, here's a surprise for you. The longest hitting streak to start in A's career, Billy Butler had a 12-game hitting streak to start his career with the A's in 2015. Uh, didn't have many games with a hit after that, but still. Uh <laughs> Uh, Ryan Dole in 2015 in his first eight appearances, no runs and only three hits. Uh, Ramon Laureano had a walk-off hit in his uh, first major league game for his first major league hit. And last year, Chris Herman became the first player in Oakland history to hit a grand slam in their first A's game. So all good debuts, but not the impacts that some of these other guys had. All righty. Number 10. Number 10 is Mike Norris in 1975. You know, Mike Norris was the A's first-round pick in 73 out of San Francisco City College. Uh, going into the 75 season, now the A's had lost Catfish Hunter. He joined the Yankees as a free agent, so they needed somebody for starting rotation. And 20-year-old Mike Norris wins the job out of spring training. So here you are joining the world champion A's and replacing a future Hall of Fame pitcher, and there's the reigning Cy Young Award winner, Catfish Hunter. And all Norris does in his first outing, his major league debut against the White Sox, a three-hit shutout. Still, the only Oakland pitcher and only the eighth in franchise history to throw a shutout in his major league debut. So that's impressive. But then his next start at Kansas City, he goes seven innings and allows only one hit and two unearned runs. So you think about that in his first two starts, 16 innings, four hits, no one runs. Incredible start to his career. Unfortunately, in his third start, uh, he walks Rod Carew, feels something wrong with his arm, and leaves the game. Uh, his season cut short, uh, ends up working his way back to make a release appearance late in September. But really, for Mike Norris, a tremendous beginning. Then it was injury after injury. You know, he made appearances all the way through 77, 78, 79. Finally, in 1980, as we know, it all comes together, 22-9, 2.53. Should have won the Cy Young. Yeah. Just a model of preservation to get back there to be as good as he was. 
And then the other part of the Mike Norris story that we're going to talk about, he's out of baseball from 84 to 89, at least, you know, major league sanctioned baseball. But somehow in 1990, he works his way back to the world champion Oakland A's for 14 appearances as a bullpen pitcher. Uh, that doesn't get talked about. Enough. That's amazing what Mike Norris did with his career to come back after such a long layoff and join a world championship team. All right. So number number 10 is Mike Norris. Number nine is Derek Barton. Who you got number eight? Number eight, we have Ryan Cook in 2012. Wow. I think this guy gets a little forgotten how good he was, especially in his, his rookie year, but even his first two years. But that first year in 2012, and this is a guy the A's acquired from the Diamondbacks for, for Cahill and Breslow. He came over with Jared Parker and Colin Calgill. But his first 21 games with the A's, 23 innings, no runs, only four hits. He had 10 holds. He kind of works his way into the closer role. I mean, this is a fastball slider, extreme ground ball guy. Um, and all of a sudden, he's, he's the eighth inning guy. Um, you know, the A's bullpen looked like Balfour. Cook and Fuentes was kind of the, the back end of the bullpen. But he's so good that he becomes a closer in June. Makes the all-star team. Ryan yeah. Cook was your A's all-star in 2012. Um, you know, struggled in August. Balfour took over as a closer. But then Cook finished out the year by pitching, pitching shutout ball in 22 of his last 23 games. And this is a tremendous rookie year uh, that kind of gets forgotten. Um, he pitched very well the next year, too. And finally, you know, injury started to slow him down. Arm problems in 2014. He's traded to the Red Sox. Uh, he pitched for the Mariners in 2018. He's been training this year with the Marlins. But that first beginning, no runs, four hits in his first 21 games. That's an impressive beginning. No doubt about it. Number seven. Number seven is 1986 Moose Haas. You know, if you're an A's fan back in the mid-'80s, Right, so then we're past Billy Ball. Um, team is trying to new ownership, new identity. The '86 squad, they felt good about themselves. They had a rookie in Jose Canseco. They had Dave Kingman coming back. They had brought in Joaquin Andujar. They had Jose Rio. They really felt like they had something. And right near the end of spring training, they acquired Moose Haas for four players from the Milwaukee Brewers. And Haas was a solid pitcher for Milwaukee. For 10 years, he was a solid pitcher. Uh, he pitched in the 82 World Series. He gets off to a phenomenal start with the A's. His first six starts, 6-0, 1.65 ERA. And this is, this is what the A's were hoping, his veteran starter. Just a tremendous beginning. Unfortunately, rotator cuff, which was the dreaded pitcher injury, especially in the 80s. Um, Sidelines from the toss. Uh, made only two starts after June 5th. You know, when he was out there, he was still effective. Seven and two for the season, but just a lost season. Comes back in May of 1987. Finally worked his way back. And again, he had nothing. Couldn't get anybody out and his career ended. But that beginning, 6-0, 1.65 ERA. And hope for an A's team who really needed it. God, you know, there's so many stories like this where – you have guys that get out to a start and you think they're going to be just great players and then they get injured and it's like, oh, you feel so bad for these guys that never really got a chance. No, it's, you know, the guy who I was thinking about is Jared Parker, right? He, this guy was tremendous. He was going to be a star. And then the arm injuries just multiplied and multiplied and he kept trying to come back and he had setbacks. He was going to be, he was going to be an ace pitcher. 
Number six. Number six is another guy who had a great September. And I know there's the old adage, don't believe what you see in March, don't believe what you see in September. Uh, but the A's believed what they saw in September, and that was Walt Weiss in 1987. Uh, Weiss was their first-round pick, the 85 draft. And he actually makes his major league debut in July of 1987 as a pinch runner for Mark McGuire in the ninth inning of a one-run game. With Reggie Jackson at bat, one-run game, Reggie's up against Dan Plezak, and Walt Weiss gets picked off. That's his major league debut. But Walt comes back to the big club in September, takes over as a starting shortstop for the last eight games of the season, and hits 480, 12 for 25, four doubles. The A's love what they see. They know this is their shortstop for their foreseeable future. Allows them to trade Alfredo Griffin, packaged to the Dodgers to get Bob Welch. Uh, Walt, as we know, wins the rookie of the year in 1988. But another guy whose injuries just shortened, especially his A's career. Right? He couldn't just stay on the field. He kept having injury after injury. Uh, he ends up playing through the 2000 season. Becomes an all-star with Atlanta later in his career. Uh, but that beginning in that September, I remember watching those games and seeing this this guy kind of had a toothpick bat and was able to just whip his wrist through and get base hits. Uh, and the A's, and, and I too, we saw this was the shortstop. And for that one year in 88, I mean, he went to rookie of the year, mostly because of his defense. Uh, he's never going to be a huge high average hitter, but he was a really good player. Yeah, Walt Weiss, uh, Classic A, number five. Number five is Jack Cust, 2007. <laughs> oh, what a beginning for this guy. Now, you know, Cust was a longtime minor league legend, right, for his prodigious power numbers, but could never stick with the big clubs. Uh, he had cups of coffee with Arizona, Colorado, Baltimore, San Diego. Uh, and he's in the San Diego. He's playing a triple-A for San Diego when Mike Piazza, the A's DH, gets hurt. When Mike Lowell, the Red Sox, rolls over his shoulder at a play at third base at Fenway Park. The A's purchase Jack Cuss from the Padres. They needed a DH, and they bring in Jack Cuss. Debuts at Tampa with a homer. And then his first seven games with the A's, 346, six homers, 14 runs batted in, caps off this stretch with a walk-off three-run homer on Mother's Day versus the Indians. The legend of Jack Cuss is for real. And this, I mean, the Coliseum crowd went nuts for this guy. Right? Because you've heard about him. Everybody had heard of this name, this minor league guy. He was the Crash Davis of his day. And they come up and, and produce like that. You know, he had a good year, finished with 26 homers. 20, 2008, he's 33 homers. 2009, 25 homers. I mean, he was a, you know, a true three outcome guy. Home run, strikeout, walk. Uh, set an A's record for strikeouts in 2008 with 197. But that beginning, I mean, the Chronicle item flashed on the front page, not the front page of the sports section, front page of the paper. I mean, he was the talk of baseball that first week. And, you know, it's crazy to look back and think about it. But Bob Guerin said to us in the media, Jack Cust is our best player. And it wasn't long after that that Jack Cust went to the Mariners played in only like 61 games, and then never played in the big leagues again. Yeah. I, he was a good guy, right? He was a fun guy to be around. He's kind of what you would think about of a, if you were playing in a softball league, kind of had that Matt Stairs quality to him. Uh, he just wanted to hit and rake, and he was always worried about hitting. Not a great 
not a great fielder at all. Um, I just, I just always, I, for what that A's team needed, for that power surge, and to have a guy, I mean, always heard the legends of Jack Cusk, and to come up and produce like that. It was quite a week. Number four. This one, we're going way back to 1977. Uh, this is Dick Allen. Now, Dick Allen was a seven-time All-Star with the Phillies, Cardinals, Dodgers, and White Sox. He won the Rookie of the Year in 64. He's the AL MVP in 1972 for the White Sox. Uh, kind of a controversial figure, right? He had a lot of outspoken things that he, that he talked about. Uh, one of his most famous quotes uh, was about artificial turf. He said, if a horse won't eat it, I don't want to play on it. Uh, he just, he was, he was, he was strong in his convictions, but the A's needed a first baseman in 1977. I mean, this was after the 76 year where everybody left, right? Tennis was gone. Don Baylor, Rod Fairley, Billy Williams. They're all gone. They need a first baseman. Charlie Finley gets Dick Allen. Um, first of all, Dick Allen wears number 60 with the A's. And instead of having his last name, Allen on the back of his Jersey, he has Wampum, which was the town he was born in and the high school he attended. All right, we don't see this in A's history. You don't see guys without their last name. I mean, Charlie wanted guys to wear their uh, nicknames. Uh, Vita wore Vita on the back of his jersey for a little bit, but Wampum is on the back of, of Dick Allen's jersey. Um, and in his contract that he signs with Finley, he has a clause that he doesn't have to be the DH. Never has to DH. He wants to play first base. Nobody told A's manager Jack McKean about this clause. And in the third game of the season, he has him listed at DH. Allen refuses to play because he's a DH. He's actually on the lineup card, refused to play. They had to pinch hit for him in his first at bat. But that's the only thing that went wrong in his first month with the A's. In his first 19 games, he hits 339 with four homers, 20 runs batted in. This was the Dick, this was the slugging Dick Allen that won the MVP in 72. Fortunately, it all comes crashing down. Uh, next 35 games, he hits only 188, only one homer. He's got bad shoulder issues, not getting along with his teammates at all, to the point where he calls his teammates a bunch of crybabies and refuses to shake anybody's hand after a home run. And then it comes to a head June 20th at Chicago, at the White Sox. In the middle of the game, he leaves the bench, goes to the clubhouse to take a shower, and you know the, Charlie Finley only went to A's games in Chicago, and he's there to that game. Goes in the clubhouse, sees Dick Allen taking a shower in the middle of the game, and suspends him, and then sends him off. And that was the end of Dick Allen. But the first 19 games, they thought they had that that superstar player. Fortunately, it all came crashing down. Oh, that's that's so A's of the 70s, right there. Uh, number three. Number three. I know Cody's excited about this one. That's Ben Grieve. You know, Ben Grieve, 1997. Uh, he's the second overall pick in the 94 draft. Paul Wilson went number one. And looking back at the 94 draft, it wasn't a wasn't a spectacular draft. Probably the best player was Nomar Garcia Parra, who went number 12. Uh, Ben Grieve was a legitimate prospect, right? Number two in the in the draft uh, out of high school. Great pedigree with Tom Grieve as his dad. Uh, and finally, in 97. Between double A AA and triple A, he hits 350. 350 with 31 homers and 136 runs batted in and only 127 games. So the A's have to call him up. And he makes his major league debut September 3rd versus the Giants, batting third. 
in front of a huge crowd of the Coliseum, goes three for four with three doubles and five runs batted in. He's the only player in Major League history to have three extra base hits and five RBI in their Major League debut. Only player in Major League history. Three extra base hits, five RBI in Major League debut. Hey, he doesn't stop. First three games, he's seven for 15. After his first seven games, he's hitting 406. Uh, you know, for the month of September, he's 312. Uh, ben Greaves legitimate, and he wins Rookie of the Year in 1998, 1999. He's 28 homers, uh, 27 homers in 2000 with 104 RBI. He gets a bad rap. You know, a lot of people remember Ben Greaves as a terrible throwing outfielder, bad body language, guy who hits into a lot of double plays. But when you add it all up, he has the sixth highest OPS in Oakland history. Sixth highest. He's ahead of Ricky. He's ahead of Eric Chavez. He's ahead of Miguel Tejada for career OPS. Uh, bad rap for a guy who actually played really, really well for the A's as an offensive player. And that beginning, that's untouched to have a game like that to start and then to follow through. Number two. Number two is the Rage. Mitchell Page in 1977. And he's acquired from the Pirates in a nine-player deal in March of 77. Uh, takes over as a starting left fielder for the departed Joe Rudy. And all he does in his first eight games is hit 500, 16 for 32, three homers, four doubles, 15 runs batted in. He is still the only player in Major League history with 15 RBIs in his first eight career games. Only player has done that. Uh, he has tremendous year. I mean, he was hitting 382 as late as May 9th. And he ends the year at 307 with 21 homers. He had 42 stolen bases, 26 straight to start his career, which, which at the time was an American League record. Uh, he ends up finishing second in the rookie of the year to Eddie Murray. When you look back at that year, I mean, Page had a higher average, higher on base, higher slugging, more steals, scored more runs. The only reason Eddie Murray wins the Rookie of the Year is because he had more homers than RBI, and those were you know the fancy numbers that anybody cared about. If you go back and look at it now, Mitchell Page's WAR was 6.1, Eddie Murray was 3.2. I mean, so twice as good in a way than Eddie Murray. Now Eddie Murray obviously went to the Hall of Fame, and Mitchell Page did not. But for that year, Mitchell Page was unbelievable. He he played at the age until '83. He had a couple more good years, but that was definitely his best year. But nobody has had a start like that. 15 runs batted in in their first eight games. Pretty darn good. And we're down to number one. Number one, Brad Ziegler in 2008. Still holds the major league record for 39 scoreless innings to begin their career. I mean, this is a guy, five years in the minors, had to recover from a head injury, was converted to a reliever in 2007. They taught him to drop down. Uh, finally makes it to the big leagues in 2008 and doesn't allow a run in his first 29 appearances. 39 consecutive scoreless innings. A major league record. And he has a great 2008. And he ends of the year as actually the closer. Um, 1.06 ERA, 11 saves at that point. Houston Street, Bob Guerin not getting along very well. Ziegler takes over as a closer. He finishes eighth in Rookie of the Year. And he actually goes on to have a very good major league career, 11 years, over 100 saves. But to start a career with 
39 consecutive scoreless innings. We've never seen that before. I don't know if we're going to see it again. Oh, what a list. Break it down. Give me your top 10. So top 10 starts to an athletics career. Number 10, Mike Norris in 75. Number nine, Derek Barton in 2007. Number eight, Ryan Cook in 2012. Moose Haas, 1986. Walt Weiss, 1987. Jack Cust, 2007. Dick Allen, 1977. Number three, Ben Greve, 1997. Number two, Mitchell Page, 1977. And our number one, Brad Ziegler in 2008. You know, I remember covering... They had a party for Ben Grieve and, and, a, and, a, and a, uh, a gathering of the media. And it was at that Italian restaurant in North Beach across from the park. And it had been there forever. And then after that, it closed down and became like Joe DiMaggio Steakhouse. Were you there? And do you remember what, what, what Italian restaurant that was? I, I got, you know what? I remember the restaurant. I was, it was like an El Fernayo. Um I can't quite remember. I remember because I know the location. I know what you're talking about. I believe I was there for the Ben Greve celebration. Um, yeah, what was the original name of that place? I remember when it became Joe DiMaggio's Steakhouse, too. That didn't last too long. Yeah, it was there. It had been there forever. I remember when it, I guess they had a fire and they just didn't reopen. And Because I remember it was one of those like historic Italian restaurants in North Beach. And I just, I can never remember. By the way. I did. I was fooled. I thought I was like everybody else. I thought Ben Grieve was going to be a superstar. You know, and he was so good. He really was an, as an offensive player. He was so good for those first few seasons. But when he got traded to Tampa and Lou Pinnell is the manager, and I think Lou just, he could not handle Ben's body language for one. I think he was just all over him and he just beat him down. And, you know, and I really liked Ben. I got to know him pretty well. He definitely, his focus wasn't baseball. He had other things that he enjoyed. Uh, he ended up you know, getting married and having kids. I remember talking to his dad about what Ben's doing now, and he just said Ben loves being a dad. Uh, ben also loved his fantasy football. Loved fantasy football. It's just, I, I always thought if, maybe if he didn't go to Tampa and had to deal with Lou Pinella, maybe his career would have lasted longer or been better. But I think he gets a short shift when it comes to his, his career because he really put up some huge offensive numbers for the A's. Thank you for listening to Green and Gold History. Now back to A's cast powered by TuneIn. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.